Well, as the sun sets on what was a fairly sanguine month of May, we gear up for what will hopefully be a fairly lively June with plenty of trading opportunities. We're seeing rising concerns about growth in China. We see risk assets in Europe getting fairly badly beaten up. We see technical bear markets emerging in the Hang Seng and also the H shares. And we see crude looking rude and eyeing a move down into 65 bucks as we gear up for the OPEC meeting. In FX markets, the dollar still reigns supreme. It's another day in paradise and it's the trade-off. Well, hi there, I'm Christopher Weston from Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we will be discussing all the factors that are going into this crazy world of markets, all the trading setups that we like, the different uh, news flows that we're seeing, and all the trades and various factors that are coming front of mind. So Mr. Blake Morrow, I'm going to bring you straight into the program. How are you going today? Christopher Weston. I like Sp it. Spicing up, spicing up. I, I like it. You can call me Blakefer if you want. <laughs> it's more so. scrabble point. I always called that when I'm getting trouble, to be honest, but I thought, uh, I thought I'd bring it into the show today. Anyway, spice things up a little bit. But how are you going? How's the trading going? You know, uh, good. Little little spicier markets um, the last couple of days, and I'm expecting more spice tonight. And not Spice Girl type spice. I'm expecting, uh, you know, a vote in the uh, House of Representatives tonight, maybe spice up the, uh, the trading uh, You'd be very, world. very surprised, wouldn't you, to be honest? I've got miles on non-farm payrolls number, and that's uh, what's going on there as well. This, I think mean, the, the, the tides of um, the script changes pretty much every day, doesn't it? We're, we're seeing you know, markets going, oh, we're going to get a recession, then we don't get a recession, then we're saying, oh, you know, we're going to see you know, a 60% chance of a rate, cut, a rate hike in June. We're now get, we're, we're down to sort of a one in four chance. And yeah, the, the market really doesn't know what to do at the moment. Again, it just sort of leads into the idea that you've got to be a ninja in these markets. You've got to have an open mind and and uh, and react uh, when, when, when the market tells you to react to do so. So always, always yeah. interesting, always getting schooled, always keeping an open mind. I think it's a good chance then, Blake, to talk about what we need to talk about, let's go into Topical Thunder. Well, I want to talk about sentiment straight off the bat. Um, and, you know, if I have a look at, there's obviously a number of ways we can look at sentiment, right? But, um, you know, the VIX trading at 18%. Um, we have a look at the, the, the tape in regional banks, which I think is really interesting as we get this tsunami of uh, treasury issuance coming to market. I think the banks are going to be really interesting to watch there. But we had the, the KRE going up to 42 bucks, um, and then it sort of rolled over. It's looking a bit precarious. You can have a look at um, you know, cyclical stocks you know, relative to defensive. They were working all right, but now we started seeing a bit of underperformance again from cyclical stocks. Obviously, China very much at the mix. Um, yeah, We've been seeing equity markets doing quite well, held in by a handful of very Big mega cap names, obviously Nvidia, for example, um, and you know we're starting to see some weakness, certainly in European markets, and 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 also in the Hang Seng and and the hate share as well. But when we're looking at crown markets, you know there are reasons to believe that sentiment has has turned, but it's not outright bearish in terms of taking those directional exposures. There are some some areas where we can we, we can see some real outperformance and trade on the long side, and there's some areas in the markets where we've seen clear risk aversion playing through and you know clear trends. And, and I like that situation. There's dispersions across markets, which we need to sort of cherry pick those markets as per our strategy. So I think it's really interesting, but yeah, I'd say sentiment is turning a little bit bearish, but it's not outright um, outright sort of risk aversion mode at the moment. How are you seeing things, Blake? You know, it's interesting during your introduction, I, I wanted to mention, and, and maybe you should take take this opportunity to kind of rewind 
listen to Chris's introduction. You, you know, you you bring up crude oil. Crude oil does not look healthy right now. Um, the Chinese markets, they're looking kind of gross. Uh, the dollar still looks really perky here. And the yen, you know, uh, I've played it on both sides this week already. And uh, I'm starting to play it one direction at this point. So yeah. I think you're starting to see those signs. You can call them a canary in the coal mine, or maybe a few canaries flying out of the coal mine at this point. There's a few of them that might be showing their true colors right now. So I think it's worth noting that, that when you get this shift in sentiment, like this, this, the notable, you know, shifts that you're kind of pointing out here, I think it's worth paying attention to. And uh, I mean, you, you're, you're even seeing a clear breakdown in the Aussie dollar, the Kiwi dollar, some of the commodity currencies. You know, you start to see these emerging market currencies turn higher or mm. lower and dollar higher against them or maybe some other currencies, which I know you're going to talk about a little bit later. It's worth noting that that we are starting to see you know, feel a little sea change. So I, I, the, 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 the two, uh, two um, words I want to give to you right now is what I'm going to just, I'm just going to blurt them out, priced in. So I think a lot is priced in at this point where we're at. Are the they market. still two words if you hyphenate priced in? I mean, yeah, yeah, no. Google. <laughs> anyway, I just heard China's, China's at the heart of this now. China, we, we talk about China by China, but China's been getting whacked and their, their data's been coming consistently weaker. Concerns around property. That's manifesting into a weaker euro. Europe and, and you know, Europe, European equities have been held in by a handful of um, big weighted sort of luxury stocks, right? Um, and they're obviously, they're selling to China, so they've come under pressure and the CAC's been you know, underperforming. It sort of played into my short Europe, long US trade beautifully. Um, but are we getting too concerned around China? Rightly so, we should absolutely rightly so. And you bring up crude. We've got to keep our eyes on China, but we'll talk a bit a bit more about that because I think there's there's going to be some interesting changes that happen. But everything to me is evolving around China. We're seeing dollar CNH working higher. That's boosting the US dollar across G10. Um, so for me, the the everything sort of starts around China at the moment. Uh, until we well, can find a better feel around China, I think yeah, people are still going to explore things on the short side. Yeah, the equities. I mean, they they look like they're. I mean, you take like this the the China fifty and Hang Seng were both below the two hundred day moving averages. They they don't look super healthy right now. But we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Let's uh let's talk about uh, what is surrounding my world right now and maybe yours too is uh, the debt ceiling. And, I've moved um, on, mate. I've moved on. Tom, you should as you've well. You've moved on. Well, let's just hope that after this is the last week we need to talk about it because um you know it's not over till it's over or till the the fat lady sings, as they say, um, you know, actually, while this show is in editing, we should be going through the voting process in the House of Representatives. Now, more than likely, it's going to pass the House. And so if it does pass the House, then it's going to go to the Senate. It's it's, it's Democratic run Senate or majority Senate. So it should be able to flow through. There, there, there's a couple things that we just need to pay attention to. Um, remember, our X date via Janet Yellen over the weekend was pushed out to June 5th. That's uh, on Monday. Um, there could be a little bit of a delay because uh, Senator- for the, Senate, uh, for the Senate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. once we get into the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer and uh, Mitch McConnell, they have to kind of agree to fast track this, this, this legislation through. There are like senators like Rand Paul that want to push through an, an amendment because they got to 
these these senators have to report back to their constitu- constituents. You know, Kentucky, where Rand Paul's from, very conservative, very Republican. And he's got to take a stand and sit, put in some amendment to say that, hey, I'm sticking up for my, you know, my people. Um, now, whether Schumer and, and McConnell are going to agree to allow these amendments to kind of get pushed back. And then, you know, then you start getting into a time crunch where they, you know, go through the amendment process and they're not going to go anywhere, but it's more for show. Anyway, we're, we're getting down to the wire. I don't think there's going to be any hiccups from here, mm. but I am going to say this tonight. We are expected probably the bigger vote, which will be the house of representatives. Um, we might get a buy the rumor, sell the news event. We got that on Sunday night or Monday, whenever you were all, all were on holiday. Yeah. Um, we had a little gap up. The market sold into it. S&P came back down below 4,200 where we reside right now. We might get a little bit of gapping. We might get a little bit of spiking up, but there's there's plays, I think, in this debt ceiling. So where do you stand? I know it's not on your radar, but no, where do you stand of course here? it is. It's, but I'm 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 like a lot of other people moving on to the liquidity argument, which I think both I think it will be passed through the House without problem. I think it will pass if it yeah, it was going to pass through the Senate. So the the, the the issue that we're seeing is is that all the Twitter royalty are all saying, oh, you know, the 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 the, the Treasury will come out and issue seven hundred billion dollars of T bills in, in in a couple of months. Obviously, one point two over the next twelve months, and that's going to be fine. The the concern that I have is that it it really depends on who buys them. If it's going to be money market funds who are going to draw down on the on the RRP facility, yeah, look, there's going to be no headwinds whatsoever to to risk assets. The dollar's not going to catch a bid. You're just going to draw down from them the two point two trillion dollars that are in RRP facility. <clears throat> Where it becomes an issue is if these money market funds don't support to that tune, and actually we see banks bringing down reserve liabilities effectively off the Fed's balance sheet, and and you see. Yeah, the $3.2 trillion of reserves, which are excess reserves in the system, getting drawn down. And that comes down to something like $2.8 trillion getting down to that. And and what we were to see is that the effective rate, Fed effective funds rate was to move to the top of the channel, close towards uh, interest and on reserve balances. That would sow some stress and that would show that we're getting to a scarcity level in, in reserves. That's a massive amount of reserve liability drains that's going to come through in a very short space of time. And there is actually a strong relationship between the S&P futures and reserves. If you go back the last five years, the R2 is 0. 0.79. 79% of the S&P futures can be explained by reserves. That's statistically meaningful. Um, so I still take the view that bank funding could go up as a result of this massive liquidity uh, drain, but only if the issuance is taken up by reserves and reserve drawdown rather than RRP. If it's taken up by RRP, then I think it's fine. But that's something I am watching. So the Treasury are going to go out immediately once this is passed, issue a ton of Treasuries. The most important thing is who is going to support that? Is it going to be reserve liabilities or is it going to be RRP? If it's reserves and we see half a half a trillion dollars of reserves taken out of the system in a short space of time, that could be a market event. We need to be worried about it. It might not, but that the chances are statistically it would be. Anyway, that's what I'm looking so at. It's, still, it's <clears throat> still on your radar. It's still on your radar. You well, have not moved on. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the next order. There's always something for us to worry about. In a dull market, we, always, we look at things that perhaps wouldn't usually. But yeah, I think this is something that, that, that the liquidity drain is something that I think a lot of people are trying to do the homework on. So that's, that's something we're open-minded to. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes. Anyway, I'm going to go to China because China is front of mind at the moment. Um, 
yeah, their data is consistently coming in below expectations. I mean, we saw um, yesterday, like when we saw the, the manufacturing numbers coming out um, below forty nine, well, well below expectations, and showing good contraction there. Services are still expanding month for month, but at a slower, slower clip. Um, but yeah, there's a whole sort of raft of data points that shows the reopening trade is fizzling out pretty hard. You've got property concerns bubbling up. You've got COVID concerns bubbling up. There, obviously, the barriers to you know, to, 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 to go back into sort of, sort of draconian lockdown was very high now in China. So we're not going to see that. Um, but it will weigh on economics. And there's a whole other factors that are playing through. US-China relationships have soured again. Um, but what we've seen um, is significant inflows into China equity funds at the beginning of the year. Last week or two weeks, there's been significant outflows. And what we've therefore seen is the CNH, the offshore yuan, weakening. So what they're doing is the Chinese yuan has been weakening. Um, people have been taking their money. A lot of it's probably going into into US high-tech AI stocks, probably. Um, but that's causing a feedback loop. So weaker currency tightens financial conditions and there's a perpetuating situation. Everyone wants out of Dodge. International money's got out of China. Um, and we've seen a 20, 21% drawdown in, in, in the Hang Seng. Yeah, Tencent, for example, has gone down to what, 310 um, trading now 18 times. I mean, that's been the poster child of everything we're there. The question now is because we have such seen such yeah, outflows um, and yeah, the, the yuan's weakened and the, the economy has yeah, consistently underperformed in so many metrics, are we getting to a point where yeah, the Chinese authorities may start to look to stabilise? Maybe they'll start to look at yeah, initiatives to help second properties. Um, maybe we start looking at reserve ratio requirement cuts, you know, because the currency is weakening and the, the economy needs support, clearly. Um, but also come out and instruct state-owned banks, sorry, I'm waffling on a bit, but state-owned banks to start buying stocks because of the feedback loop. Is it tactically at the point where the authorities are going to jump in and an unloved market suddenly sees a bounce? Are we buying China? I'm not buying China. Um, I'm not, but I, I, I'll say that you know one of you know one of the one of the indicators, and I think we talked about it last week. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong. And by the way, if I say something that doesn't match up with what I from last week, jump in the comments below. And matter of fact, if you have any comments regarding China or anything else that we're talking about, jump in the comments below. Uh, I know uh, Westy and myself were getting in those comments. We're getting dirty, getting our hands dirty. Getting in the weeds, man. That's right, in the weeds. Um, uh, copper is what I've been watching, obviously, very carefully. That's a big, you know, uh, uh, the doctor is in the house and has been sick. And we, we've we pivoted off of, of uh, some key technical levels last week. So I'm really watching copper. And and I think your, your, uh, your, your currency that you're looking at, the US dollar CNH, which by the way, we're going to talk about here in just a few short minutes. So don't yep. make sure you don't go anywhere. Um, we're going to talk about that as well. So US dollar CNH, I think, holds a lot of um, a lot of the key here. Uh, but I look at the 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 you know Hang Seng and 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 CNH fifty, and I, I don't know if I, I'm I'm willing to to re, you know uh, put in or employ a revert a revision to the mean type of strategy at this point, Chris. Well, I think the Chinese have <clears throat> they'll pay me a serve. Have not lent against the fixing, so that, I think that's sort of been a green light for currency traders to keep selling the yuan. But it's the quiet man of G10 effect, it's the quiet man of FX markets. But probably for me, it's really, really central to everything we do. It's telling you about the level of outflows from Chinese, um, Chinese, Chinese economics. People use that because you can get money out of the CNH um, into the big, wide, big bad world there. So China's for me, but I think I actually take the other side. <clears throat> I wouldn't be buying necessarily if I was doing it. I'm doing it gingerly. And in small size, because, but I think we are getting to getting very, very close to a point 
where the government are going to have to step in and, and do something on second homes, you know, allow banks to allow a bit more credit into the system um, and maybe even start instructing banks to start buying equities. So I think we're getting to that close. You know, when you're using leverage, it's a tough one because you have to get you have to get the, the entry point on the nail. But I think we are getting to that point now where we might start seeing a little bit of outperformance uh, in Chinese markets after what's been a bit of a bloodbath. All right. Well, let's well before you do that, let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen on Friday, because, you know, Westy, you're looking ahead. You're looking at the non-farm payrolls. And my question is, hey, are we going to have the 14? That's the number. Are we going to have a 14th beat? of non-farm payrolls consecutively here in the U.S. Is the labor market ready to roll over? You know, the market's looking for, uh, we're, we're looking for uh, 190,000 jobs, roughly. That's consensus estimates are right around 190,000 jobs. 0.3% um, hourly earnings versus 0.5%. So we're expecting a little bit of a dip in hourly earnings. Help that, uh, the, 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 uh, disinflation narrative a little bit, but we're also expected unemployment rate to tick up to 3.5% from 3.4%. So, I, I, you know, I want to know how your, what your playbook is. Mine's pretty simple. Um, you know, with all data, uh, just, let's just imagine the headline number, you know, we have a weak headline number. I'm going to be short in the dollar yen. I think that's going to be the most, uh, the, the, the easiest trade to be short dollars is going to be dollar yen, especially after this nice run that we've had from the 130s past 140. But I also think if it is a strong number, um, we could uh, we could short the euro because the euro has been really weak. I, I think there's a lot of people in disbelief. They don't think the euro dollar can see the 200-day moving average, which comes in around 105. I think that those levels could very easily be tested on a strong, if we make it 14, 14, 14, I don't know how that looks on camera, but if we're 14, then strong, uh, strong data, a short the euro, weak data, shorten the dollar yen. How are you going to play NFP this week? Mate, someone from your, um, <clears throat> someone from your stable, you're still using abacuses to, to count rather than your fingers, right? <clears throat> that, that's low, man. That's low. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, look, I think, yeah, like 14, yeah, the market goes into this probably then expecting an upside surprise, right? I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if the market was positioned for 220, 240, something like that on the headline. Um, yeah, like I think the, <clears throat> the, excuse me, the unemployment rate is really important. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the market's expecting that to tick up from 3.4, 3.5. Psychologically, that's still ridiculously low, lower since what, the 60s. Um, now bring it back to Blake again. Um, and yeah, you, you, would, you, you wouldn't be surprised. It would have to be something like 3.7 to really get the market really excited. And that, yeah, they frame that unemployment number not off the um, the payrolls number, but they do it off uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, yeah, the establishment survey. Um, so I think it's interesting. Like, uh, I, I don't, I, yeah, I think you'd need to see a really high unemployment rate relative to consensus to get this market working. The average hourly earnings, you, you say 0.3, but on an annualized, a year on year basis, 4.4%. So I think that that will really matter as well. The outcome of, of, of earnings will matter. But after what we've just seen from the JOLTS report, which came in topside in terms of job openings and job openings relative to the unemployment rates and unemployed, yeah, the, 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 the market, I think, will, will, will want to look at this as they will do the CPI print on the 13th to, to solidify a rate hike. Um, and it's really, yeah, the market's trying to guess. So this is going to be very important for that rate hiking cycle. I think anything below 160, 
you know, takes out takes out a few points in terms of uh, rate rate hikes expectations, the unemployment matter and the earnings. So it's, an, it's, it's a difficult one. But yeah, I think the market will go into this uh, with that 13, 14 number that you just mentioned there, uh, positioned for an upside surprise relative to consensus. So there's probably more dollar downside risks. Probably a bigger move, should we say, on a miss in the dollar um, than we were to get an upside because the market's just so conditioned to seeing uh, an upside surprise. Is that fair? I'd agree with that. I'd actually agree with that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's go to some of the setups that are making uh, our mind. Let's go to that's a setup. All right, cool. I'm going to bring up crew because we've got a a cheeky OPEC meeting coming up on on the weekend. So we might have a bit of gapping risk. The... The Saudis have told us not to be shorting crude. I don't think they've listened because the market continues to sell off. Uh, the Russians, on the other hand, have told us that they're probably not looking at further changes to output. So, of course, you know they have been cutting back on, on their output and trying to rebalance the market. I think they've done a pretty good job. The, the expectations of the supply demand into next year have been far more balanced. But what we're seeing now is, is, is the perception of demand slowing down because what was the you know, Chinese data... Um, has been obviously coming in consistently worse than expected. I wouldn't say it's a catastrophe in China by any means at all. It's certainly not doomsday stuff, and they can turn the taps on and, and change that and turn that shit back on anytime they like. Um, but the data has consistently come in below expectations. But look at the moving crude here, Blake. I mean, we're coming down into sixty-five bucks. Um, that double bottom that we that we saw down there. You can see the two sort of red circle, uh, blue circles. Um, what do we do here, mate? Are we getting are we getting into a demand level? Uh, do we do we just sell rallies? How, how are you playing this one? Well, first of all, I I, I think the rejection around the 74, 75 level was a fifty percent retracement. It's just you know it's just fifty percent uh, of of the previous down move. So the recovery there, the failure there. I, I didn't think we'd expose the mid sixties as quickly as we are. Um, and I think the risk is starting to build that we get a, a stop run below the 65 level. And and I think if you see anything close to 60, maybe you take the other side of it for a bounce if you want to try to trade counter trend. Um, I, I think, you know, the OPEC news that uh, they're not letting and, and I'd love to defer to you on this. I mean, they're not allowing reporters in from Bloomberg, Reuters, you know, all the news outlets. You know, you got Russia that's trying to, you know, pe- peel away from OPEC so they can sell, you know, they can sell oil different in, through, through different venues. So I don't know, Chris, the crude looks weak. It had a weak close today. It looks like it's going to continue to break down. It looks like it's going to break through 65. I don't know. What do you I think? Just think when, you th- when, you, when you're talking risk reward, I, yeah. I, I think that, that you probably, st- I would be standing out. I don't have a position in crude, but I would be looking to, to down at that, that, that double bottom 64 bucks. You've got a natural stop loss on the trade. And that is that you've got OPEC and Russia who who obviously want a much higher price. They want it in the 80s, and and they will come out with a barrage of headlines. They will they will tweak outlet you know supply if it gets below those levels. So I think you've, I want to say you've got a guaranteed stop loss on the trade, but you've got the headlines that will be coming out will will be skewed to a more positive crude situation around there. So for me, it gets very interesting into 64 bucks. I'll be certainly looking at having a little bit of a nibble in longs around those, just from a sort of tactical perspective. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand and watch, and I'm gonna grab my popcorn too while I'm at it. So <laughs> let's uh, let's take it over to to my first setup, which is going to be the sterling kiwi or the pound New Zealand. 
And I, you know, Chris, we had this massive breakout and I know you love breakouts. I love breakouts too. And I, I wonder if it's a tale of two banks here, a tale of two central banks. You got the RBNZ where, you know, they're, they're talking about rate cuts in the 2024, but you talk to anybody in the UK and I, I'd love to hear Mr. Michael Brown chime in about this too, because everybody that I listen to that lives in the UK all say the same thing. What in the God's green earth is the Bank of England doing? Raising rates at such, you know, you know, they, they should be raising rates at half point per, you know, percent clips. But maybe the market's starting to sniff out that that the Bank of England's got a bit of a problem because you got you, you you're gonna have a stagflation type of environment. But what happens if you you let that inflation, you you fail to you know put the inflation genie back in the bottle? Um, maybe people are starting to price in and traders are starting to price in a more aggressive Bank of England where you got, you know, you got a, a breakdown in the euro sterling. You got a breakout in the pound New Zealand. I don't know. I think it's a tale of two central banks. What are your euro, thoughts euro here? Euro sterling has <clears throat> been really well traded. It's usually being a, a slow burner. It's a grind. But, you know, we've seen a really big breakdown in that one. I mean, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing is to get Michael Brown talking about the Bank of England. Um, on on in, in official terms, get Michael Brown talking about the Bank of England in the pub with a beer in his hand, and you get to really hear what he what he thinks. Um, but I think that's the issue. So, look, I think um, yeah, the Bank of England will raise rates at the next meeting, twenty five basis points. The barriers to fifty, even though they've got yeah, inflation misses expectations. The market by by some way to the upside, but the barriers to get a fifty basis point hike away. Uh, in this in the, in this market, with concerns around property and all these other factors, is is ridiculously high. Um, that said, you do you you are seeing some signs of policy divergence playing through in this cross. Um, yeah, we also talked about the Kiwis, but the Kiwis also been impacted by what's been happening in China as well. You know, the Aussie, the Kiwi, the Antipodeans have been impacted by the weakening yuan and also what's been happening in Chinese equity markets as well. So let's not forget about that situation. But the pound's been pretty strong, uh, and I think you know they they've got this kind of stagflationary environment in the UK, which is toxic usually for a currency. But it seems to be that that, that idea about you know, the, the Bank of England continuing to raise is is something that seems to be supporting against a weak currency there. So yeah, I like, I like I, the arrows that you've got there, the, the lines. I like buying weakness in, in this pair for the moment. Yeah, I think that's probably the right play. Anyway, let's go to Hang Seng. So I talked about it a minute ago that, that tactically um, we could be looking at having a nibble. Um, I could be having a nibble in, in the Hang Seng. I think people will start looking a little bit more positive at, on, on, on Tencent, obviously the backbone of the Hang Seng. Um, but yeah, tactically it feels to me that we are getting to a point where we're getting closer to support from the PBOC. You might see a front page headline you know, obviously suggesting that they're closer to that point in one of the local newspapers. Um, yeah, I think you've seen such big underperformance from the Hang Seng. But is it catching a, a falling knife? Obviously, the technician in me and the momentum strategy say, say short, say short. Yeah, we've got price closing below the five-day exponential moving average. All sell-offs are contained into that level. Do not go long until the market tells you they're feeling the same thing as I'm doing. And, and that, to me, is prudent. So tactically, I like going long, but the the, the technicals are suggesting rallies are being sold here. Don't don't take longs until that dynamic changes. And so though I'm not, I've, the technicals have to, the, the flow of capital, the flow they were seeing in the in the price action tells me to still say fairly cautious and not take longs. But tactically, I'm, I'm sensing that, that we're getting to a point. So I expect to see some consolidation. What do you think here, Blake? You know, um, well, first of all, I, I'm a I'm a big Fibonacci guy. If you if you all didn't know that already, it's like it's kind of the bread and butter of everything that I've done for the last 25 years 
in technical analysis. And we are about three, three and a half percent away from the 618 retracement of the, you know, the lows that we put in in September to the highs that we put in the beginning of 2023. So that big range that you see there, it's around 17,680, somewhere around that area. That's where that 618 comes into play. So, you know, it's, 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 it, what, call it voodoo, call it witchcraft, call it whatever you want. I call it Fibonacci. Is that I call it magneti- magnetism. Come to magnetism. Me. That might be it. And that yeah. might be the level where, hey, if you're willing to stick a, a, a toe out that you don't mind losing, you know, on a, catching a fallen knife or a catching a fallen dagger, um, you know, maybe around the 17,680 uh, uh, is where that 618 resides. And like I said, it's about 3%. Three and a half percent were from where from where we're at right That's now. That's where my so. target was, Blake. I put out an article a couple of days ago, and I actually said that that sixty one was where I thought that the, the market would gravitate towards to. So we're not a million miles away from there as well. But I just think tactically, Mag- yeah, magnetism. I think we are getting closer <laughs> to that point. That's where again, yeah, we can give targets. Tar- targets, targets are great. Just to have in the back of the mind, you stick them on a chart. Then you take the time frame in and see how price reacts at those levels. I think that's that's always key. So I, I wouldn't personally just blindly leave a limit order to buy at that point. You wait, you you actively trade it and see how the market reacts. And if you can see support, maybe there's a scalp in there, maybe there's something else. But it's about how market reacts at those levels, which is key for me. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take it over to the currency. I promised that we would talk about. But before I do that, I want to make sure that uh, hey, if you guys have any comments, you have any you know, suggestions that maybe something that we're missing on these charts, make sure you get down in the comments below and make sure you give uh, Westy a big thumbs up for talking about magnetism, right? <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's, All right, let's come take on. a look at the US dollar CNH and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw uh, Mr. Michael Brown over there at uh, Trader X a little bit of a curveball today by giving him an AB equals CD. And it's not like one plus two equals three. This is an equal leg move. And we are, did the equal leg move? We completed it right to the 618 retracement. Wasn't that weird? It went right to the fib level. And we're stalling there. So Magnetism, mate. This is, like, this is the question I have, Chris. First of all, you can see relative strength is overbought. Uh, so we're, we've been a little divergent on the last you know few days of a move higher as we're going into this key fib level. So I wouldn't be taking a necessarily a long here. And I don't know if I'd be shorting. And the reason why, meaning buying, you know, uh, CNH. But if you think that equities are going to continue to rally here and you think that maybe China is going to be finding some support, maybe the US dollar CNH is worth a, a, a punt on a short around these levels as we complete this AB equals CD pattern. But also, if we get some risk aversion, you might see the CNH come under renewed pressure. What are your thoughts about the US dollar CNH here? I think we're at a very pivotal well, level. I'll Chris. tell you what our clients would do straight off the bat. They'd say, you know, you can take your dollar CNH trade and we'll we'll, we'll just trade out Aussie dollar instead. You know, it's cheaper. The spreads are far cheaper than trading dollar CNH. Dollar CNH is your independent variable. It's the driver of the Aussie dollar. Um, but if we were to see the, the yuan strengthen, I, I, my, 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 my call would just be going buy the Aussie dollar because you can do the same thing just at a cheaper spread. That's the best way to do that. Um, but look, I think we are getting... You know, this is where the sort of technicals and the fundamentals align, or we've got to. You can understand why the CNH has, has has come under so much pressure. But what we're looking at is these daily fixings that take place. This is where they move the midpoint on the basket up and down by, by whatever they want to do it by the counter cyclical levels that they use. This is their opportunity to show the market that they're concerned now and they don't want to see further weakness playing through in the in the yuan. If we see that, 
you know, some of these shorts will start covering um, and dollar, dollar CNH will come under pressure and the Aussie dollar will rally. So for me, uh, we are getting to that that point. Um, but yeah, again, you can trade dollar CNH, fantastic. Woohoo! Or you can look for the proxy, which is cheaper to trade. And that's why I'd, I'd use the Australian dollar personally to express the same Very thing. Good. So get, get one of those kind of split screen things going on. You know, take the time frame down, look at dollar CNH, look at Aussie dollar and uh, and trade them uh, like that situation. That's that's that, that's that's the way I'd be looking at doing that myself. Um, we'll have to see what happens with, uh, with equity markets. We see a bit of a bit of a preview in the, in the Hang Seng, in the H shares and CM50. Then, yeah, I think the, the UI might strengthen a bit as well. Anyway, so let's go to play of the day. Let's see uh, what's front of mind for Mr. Blake Morrow and myself. Uh, look, I'm looking at uh, Euromex, um, and I'm looking at it from the short side. So we can bring up chart there. Just uh, got a fairly tight stop loss on this on the trade. Um, we can see that price is still below the five-day exponential moving average. Um, and if on the bottom channel, you can see the difference between the three and the eight-day exponential moving average. Now, I like to use this just as a sort of guide on position sizing. So I'll be looking to trade the short on the short side. Very very small position size. And what we happen if the, if if the three-day pulls away from the eight day, meaning that price is going down. I, I would look to average into, 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 into increased position sizing. So if the trade is working, if it breaks below those, the, that, the, those lows that we can see on the red horizontal level, what you're going to see is the, the short term moving average is moving away. Of course, there are lagging indicators. We all know that. But what it does is it allows me uh, unemotionally to increase my position sizing as the price is working. I'm doing something that's working. I'm doing more of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got a tight stop. If I lose, I lose small. Um, we are basing at very key levels, but I expect this to kick down. Obviously, yeah, we've got a European CPI number in the pre in the session ahead. That could influence. Uh, we're seeing yeah, still rate hikes that are being priced in, uh, and there's a chance of those rate hikes to come out of European pricing. And of course, you get that carry. Now, of course, in Europe against Max, the carry has come out of the market, um, but it's still pretty attractive. Uh, as, a, as a carry currency in, in a fairly low vol market. So I like the story. Uh, we've got you know, the, the next CPI print in Mexico comes out on the 8th of June. We've got a, a central bank meeting a couple of weeks after that point, and there's a good chance that they continue to raise rates. So fundamentally, I still like the story. I like the Mexican story, um, and I, yeah, I still think that there's some weakness to play through in Europe. Um, so I'm starting small. If it works, I'm going to do more of it, and I'm going to let that the moving average situation. The, the difference between three and eight days just guide my situation there, Blake. Very nice. All right. Well, my my play of the day is going to be the NASDAQ 100. And check this out, Chris. We're at that voodoo level, the 618 retracement once again, and we're seeing a bit of a reversal. And I want to, I'm going to, I'm not, I didn't bring the charts for these, but I'm going to rattle off a few things that I want you to pay attention to. When you're talking about big tech, you look at NVIDIA, right? Huge, huge earnings, earnings beat. There's an island reversal on Monday in that stock. And now that we're trading below 400 bucks, it looks like a big reversal on one of these big, you know, big, big, big cap names. Tesla, major resistance at the 210 to 220 level. Apple, it's stalling just 4% shy of its all-time highs, but it's kind of stalling, trying to forge out a lower high. Amazon's at the 38% retracement, a paltry 38% retracement. And Meta and Google, they're both at that voodoo 618 retracement. So you can see these big tech stocks are all stalling at very key inflection points. By the way, Netflix is kind of in la-la land right now. It's kind of in between technical technical levels. But the point I want to the point I want to make here is the Nasdaq 100. I think it's clearly defined if you want to trade it on the short side. I'd be looking at tomorrow morning post, you know, passing the debt 
uh, ceiling, you know, through through the house. See the markets gap up tomorrow morning. You clearly know your risk if you want to trade counter trend to the short side. Good stuff. And that's my play. Yeah, there. well, I've, I've closed out my, my short Europe <clears throat> long NASDAQ trade, not because of that 61.8, but that gives me just a bit of confluence, but mainly because I'm concerned that we are getting to a point where China may have a short period of outperformance. Um, I'm not prepared to trade that, as I talked about, but I am concerned about that. And the trade's done very, very nicely. The US, is, the Nasdaq's massively outperformed Europe on a... On a and you've, on played, a, on a, you've played it beautifully. Well, whether you've you look at it on a currency-adjusted basis or, you know, it's, it's just absolutely smashed it. Um, I think that trade will work well, but you're just looking to reload at a better level. So it's an interesting one. You What you've just told me, I hadn't seen that, but, um, yeah, I think it's it, that, that, that tech thing's pretty stretched now. But NVIDIA... What a company! Absolutely blowing the lights out. I mean, we haven't seen anything like that for for a long time. Anyway, that's that's the trade off for this week, guys. Thank you very much for watching. If you've stayed this long, we appreciate it. We really do. Uh, smack the like button. Leave us a comment on anything you've heard today, and uh, we'll be back for more of the next week on the trade off. Mm -hmm.